if one decides to practice the integral yoga, he should disabuse himself of many current conceptions which are connected with the practice of yoga generally. Generally, when a man begins to practice yoga, he thinks, well, my life is now settled in one particular way. Let me additionally acquire this additional qualification of practicing yoga so that, well, I may be a little better than other people or it may be additional qualification or some sort of a little better condition than other people have or some of them perhaps to satisfy an ambition of superiority complex or to feel that one is higher and greater than other people and so on. There are many ideas connected with the practice of yoga in India and outside. And integral yoga can succeed and can really start and begin when one takes up a correct attitude towards the practice of yoga. And the correct attitude is that even in the solution of individual and collective problems, the current methods will not succeed first. That methods have been tried. Politics, social work, philanthropy, education, economical reconstruction, many things have been tried. And one who wants to practice the integral yoga must put this attitude into his mind that these have done their work and we know it will not solve the problem. The problem can be solved by an inner conversion, a transformation of the human being. That is the necessity. And therefore, he has sympathy for any attempt which is a palliative, which is good, which is well-intentioned. Well, he gives whatever help he can, whatever sympathy he can extend, he extends, but he never makes it his main concern of life. The first priority is not public work. The first priority is not take up a scheme and think that that scheme will solve because it will not solve. Up till now, mankind has tried. As I told you, I don't know whether I told you or some other audience, but I told many audiences and I tell you again that mind is not the instrument which man has acquired today. It is 2,006 years, 600 years old instrument. In the time of Greek culture, Plato and Socrates lived 2,600 years before. And the intellect of Plato and Socrates has not been overpassed by intellect subsequently. Note that in the history of man for the last 3,000 years, no intellect has surpassed in comprehension, in subtlety and tackling problems of man than Plato and Socrates. All the best intelligence taken together. Science we have acquired with the Greeks had not. But does science solve problems? If it solves, it creates. It solves one and perhaps creates ten, four. You never know. So that solution of life's problem is not to be possible by application of intellect only. It can make an effort, and a sincere effort. And if one who is wanting to practice the integral yoga field, this is a good effort. Extend your help, no harm. Sympathetically, make it as an offering to the divine in that work and leave it at that. But don't try to make it your first priority life because you know that that way it will not succeed in solving the problem and you will be only getting your consciousness involved in an external activity in your inner progress of changing of consciousness will be left out. Therefore, the one who wants to take up the integral yoga must make this attitude clear that man's problem can be solved by changing his consciousness. And that change cannot be brought about by any external agency, by any institution, by outer method, by any constitution. Constitutions are incapable of changing man. Institution cannot change a man. When an institution changes a man, it is because somebody who is there who has that change in him. It is because of the individual, not because of the institution. If a constitution does some good, it is not because a constitution has some merit, but somebody who handles the constitution is the right man to handle it. That's all. Democracy happens to be some institution which man has brought into being. And Western democracies are those where the best people are running it. Democracies have been very corrupt, 
have been absolutely, you know, hotbeds of corruption and bribery and all kinds of human weaknesses. So the democracy by itself does not raise up the level of those who run the democracy. It is the right man when he runs the democracy, then you see it is, well, pretty efficiently run. I wouldn't say it is a marvel. No, no human institution is a marvel because all human institutions are the product of human imperfection. An imperfect human being cannot produce a perfect constitution. This is almost logical, you see, consequence of what man is. An imperfect man cannot produce a perfect constitution. And what appears to imperfect a result of collective wisdom and, you know, it is hardly more than a pious wish, a earnest effort, at the most a trial to see whether it could be done. And, you know, it has never been done up till now. So man who wants to practice the integral yoga advocated by Sri has to make this clear to his mind. All good activities are good. We, sir, we give our sympathy, support, whatever we can, yes. But never make that as if that was something that would give you solid results. Because change of consciousness is the first message. That's one. Second is an attitude towards life. Life to many people, well, uh, it appears as if it was, you know, something in which they were so involved that it is very difficult to think of themselves uh, apart from what happens to them in life, what comes to them in life, thoughts, suggestions, ideas, impulses, all kinds of things come. And uh, man thinks of life as if um, he's involved and he's in a current and he's flowing and he, it is taking him at places where he doesn't want to go and he wants to resist, he resists, he's incapable. Now that is the one thing. He must make up his mind that life is a field only for growth. So whatever happens has to be used for his growth. A detachment from everything that happens to oneself in life. If anything happens, you don't say, oh, no, nothing. You simply say, yes, now this has come. And what part it has to play in changing my consciousness? An incident, some inner movement, some outer, you know, uh, event intervenes in one's life. It does always. That is life. It is not life. It is all changed constantly. And you simply don't in, get involved and say, oh, this now. And never, it is life is an opportunity for growth. So, want to know what is the meaning of this? What is its significance for me? What change I have to adopt or create in myself so as to make this incident or make this experience means for my growth to a greater truth. That is all. That is the second thing you must make clear. Then, integral yoga can start on the correct ground. Otherwise, integral yoga... Uh, why we distrust this constitution and institutions, you know? Because Therundo found out in his practice of yoga that they can be best solved, not by mind, but by bringing into active movement the dynamics of the divine consciousness. As I told you in this first and second talk, the divine from his point of view is not an absentee landlord. It is not a passive static consciousness in which nothing happens. Divine is most a dynamic reality. And he would want that man, if he wants really to solve his problem correctly, integrally and finally, he can only do it by bringing the influence of this dynamic divine consciousness in his life. If problems are to be solved, the solution will not come by resorting to intellectual methods and plans of 5 or 10 or 20 years. That is all right. You make a palliative, no harm. But it will be solved only when the consciousness which is dynamic, a divine consciousness, is brought to bear upon problems of man. First, mind has been proved incapable of solution, solution, solving finally problem. And secondly, that the possibility has now come near when man can actually take the help of the divine consciousness in solving his problems. So, well, you uh, take up the three attitudes that I have just said. Then we are prepared for a ground of the integral yoga. I'll just give you a quotation about uh, how he wants, he would himself like to say about this, you see. The Sri says in one of his books on Tom 1 on yoga, our attitude is that humanity cannot grow out of its limitations by the ordinary means adopted by the human mind, by politics, 
social reform, philanthropy, etc. These can only be temporary or local palliatives. The only true escape is a change of consciousness, a change into a greater, wider and purer way of being, a life and action based upon that change. It is therefore to that that the energies must be turned once the spiritual orientation is complete. This implies no contempt but the preference of the only effective means over those which have been found ineffective. So you see, uh, that gives you, in his own words, I mean, uh, how he looks at the problem of man's individual collective life and how the methods that are being employed by men today have, having been proved inadequate, he would plead that our attitude toward them must be that of palliative and secondly that to seek for a more effective method is to seek to gain the human consciousness. Now we come to the human consciousness and as I told you take up second attitude is towards life. A detached view of life as a field for growth. Growth to a greater reality. Growth to a wider consciousness. Growth towards some truth, some reality which we seek, which we feel that we must seek being imperfect, we seek a perfect source of everything. And life, therefore, one should not get so much involved in life as all the time to do like a you know, piece of grass that is being swayed by the breeze or a piece of wood that is thrown in the water, buffeted from all sides. No, he must fix his inner attitude towards life. It is a field for growth. And it is to be used for well, changing consciousness. Then the practice of integral yoga is then founded on firm ground. Now when we say yoga, I explained last time that yoga is a union. And yoga is a meeting of two. Of more than two sometimes of experience of a unity within oneself unity outside and unity with the highest transcendent consciousness. But how do we begin yoga? By becoming conscious. Yoga is increasing consciousness. Of course, one has to become ultimately conscious of a divine entity, divine reality. But when one begins, he does not begin with the divine reality, he begins with the faith in the divine reality and an actual movement from where he is, the station of his consciousness in the outside life and inner life. Well, there when he looks inside, nine people out of ten, or I should say ten out of ten, will find that it's the most confused state that is at work, at, <laughs> uh, that is to be found. Consciousness, when the gaze of the man's being is turned towards his inner life, that let me be conscious. The moment he tries to be conscious, he finds that it is a confusion rather than anything to be uh, looked at uh, as if it was something in order. It is a tremendously confused state. In fact, man is not conscious. The whole yoga process consists in increasing consciousness, becoming more and more conscious. Men feel they are conscious which they are not. Man is buffeted, he is moved about, he is governed, he does not govern, he does not move, he is moved. This is the trouble. And the first attempt to become conscious reveals a state of disorder in consciousness, that there is nothing in order, that it is, you see, it is, it is a con complex being, a confused being. Everything at sixes and sevens and nothing is in order. Man, in one sense you can say, there are two ways of looking at man. You see, one is that he is like an iceberg. You see on the top only one-tenth of the whole being. Nine-tenth of it is hidden in the subconscious of his physical, vital and mental being. So nine-tenth of it, he himself doesn't, he is not conscious. Nobody else is conscious either. He himself doesn't know why he does what he does. Why does he think what he thinks? Why does he believe what he believes? Why does he act as he acts? Well, that question will come when you try to practice integral yoga. What is it that moves? One to act, to accept certain ideas, certain impulses, certain movements, certain emotions, certain feelings, attitudes. What is it? Then one wants to become conscious. 
From where did I do this? How did this come to me? Well, then he finds that he is nine-tenth not conscious, one-tenth on the surface like an iceberg is seen, and the extroverted consciousness all the time busy receiving impact from outside, sensations and perceptions and mental suggestions, ideas, and it doesn't seem to be as if it was an, a house in order, in fact. You see, it looks a very disordered house. And secondly, when he watches himself carefully, what he finds is that uh, man is not unitarian. He is not integrated. It's not as if you are dealing with one man when you deal with yourself. You think there are 5, 10, 20, 25 persons living. It's like a steamer, you see, in which so many, you see one steamer, but inside you see there are 500 people. And uh, perhaps uh, those people on the deck don't know, those who are working, in the, you see, in the, in, the, in the steam engine, you see, they don't know. A man who is like that, he's like a, he looks as if he's one man. It's not one man. At least four, five, ten people. A most simple man, ordinary man who is not developed, whom you say, oh, poor fellow. Even he has four, five, ten personalities. And the more developed the man, the greater is the number of personality he has. And to have an integrated being is something very rare in human life. Very rare. Absolutely something that happens by what you call a happy chance or by a very conscious and strenuous effort of consciousness. You can't do it without yoga. It is impossible practically to do that. Some people are born like that and have a general integration. That too is not complete harmony, but a general integration so that centrally they are well disposed and there is one direction in which they can drag their whole being. But generally man is full of four, five, ten personalities and they are not in harmony. You see what the mind accepts? The heart says, oh, but how can that be done? What the feelings say? Well, the intellect and reasoning comes out and says, what a stupid thing to do. You see, what the vital being desires? Uh, the intellect says, why do you want this like a food? And the vital says, but I must have. And it refuses any arguments. Vital being is simply out for anything. It goes on like that. That is one's discovery. That it is, it is not one being. You are not dealing with one personality, four, five, ten, and there is no integration. This discovery is good because that makes us feel the necessity of putting some sort of order. Well, in the integral yoga of Sri you say, yes, it is all right. I am going to put this in order by what? By what power am I going to set this to right? By consciousness. When you say that by consciousness, people think that we have got consciousness. They haven't got consciousness. They have got, you can say, mental ideas, vital ideas, emotional, you know, consciousness. But they are not pure consciousness. Consciousness is not mind only. Mind is only one instrument of the consciousness or mind is one functioning of consciousness. Mind is not all consciousness. And say so how to set, uh, mind will set it right. Well, mind tries. When mind tries, mind finds uh, it's like a, uh, as Sherundo put in one of his books, it's like a prime minister, you see. And the prime minister tries to pass orders. Well, somebody who is stronger than him doesn't obey and says, that's all right, you may say so, but I'm not going to do it. So the consciousness first realized that consciousness is not to be confined to mental consciousness. Intelligence, mind, reasoning is not the only consciousness. It's one function. There is emotional consciousness. There is will, consciousness that wills, dynamic part. There is a consciousness that feels, consciousness that senses. And in this consciousness fundamentally is independent of all these instrumentations of mind and emotion and vital being, willpower, nervous system and body. Consciousness is independent. Consciousness is the fundamental fact of the cosmos. Consciousness is the highest power of being. Being is everywhere. Atom has got being. Consciousness of the atom has got infinite power. Consciousness of the life has got infinite power. Consciousness of mind has got infinite power. Consciousness is the fundamental fact. It is by consciousness that the whole thing is running. Now this consciousness in man has got behind his instrumentation, his intelligence and reasoning power, his emotional being and feeling. Mm -hmm his nervous system and his, you know, uh, likes and dislikes and hopes and despair and all kinds of things. Behind it, there is an entity. An entity that is truly himself. 
the psychic being, if you like to call it, the true individual, if you like to call it, you call it the spark of the divine, you call it the, the consciousness in man that is in contact with the true consciousness that is at work in the universe. It is that which has to be brought to the surface gradually. This true consciousness that is behind nature part, behind mind, behind life, behind emotion, it is behind. And these are the functionings which man fits. Man has to become gradually conscious of this, at present, the constitutional monarch. You see, this psychic being is really the king. But at present, he is like a constitutional monarch whose power is limited by the intelligence, mind, and emotional, vital being, desire, soul. Well, all kinds of uh, other personalities that have been put forward by arrangement of universal nature in the past, it has been brought into this present condition. And the constitutional monarch is not able to govern and make himself felt. It is a prime minister and he is also not a capable prime minister who can carry out his, his orders everywhere in the kingdom. There are parts of the human kingdom where the rule of the mind does not work. Mind is not allowed to rule. So, in yoga, then, you find that this difficulty of multiple personality, many people living in the same house and not knowing each other and sometimes contradictory in their movements, uh, creates a sort of a disharmony. The, the liking for one thing and going for another thing and mentally and intellectually accepting something else, the hard doing. It is a kingdom in which one is found that uh, how to set this in order. If the prime minister is mind and if the ruler is constitutional, how gradually to get the ruler to come and rule? That will bring in the practice of yoga to the fore. The yoga practice begins by, you take a watch. When you want to understand the mission of the watch, what you do is to take it to parts, is it not? And you take it to parts and then you put it together and say, that is how a watch works. Well, the human psychology also you do the, almost the same thing. You take your own self and say, yes, now, this is myself. And then, which self? Which is the leading self? And why it should be the leading self? Yes, then one by one by one you come to feel what is it that we want from life as I told you. That attitude will be there. That, that is a field for growth. So I want to grow to my truth, to my true being, to fulfill the true purpose of my highest self or to discover my highest self and carry out its will in my life. Or if there is a reality in the universe, I want to know that reality because perhaps I am also a result of the functioning of that reality and I want to fulfill the will of that reality in my life. But in order to know that reality, I proceed from where I am. And if I find that I am in disorder, I am completely a confused state, a subconscious movement in which many things are dictated to me, then the beginning is to separate oneself as the witness, as I told that day. You separate oneself from the movement of nature, the current of nature, and feel oneself as a witness, as one who watches the movement, one who sees the current and stands on the bank and sees the current flow. Thoughts, ideas, feelings, suggestions, and say, oh, these are force of nature, flow of nature, powers of nature, and an entity or a being that watches nature, sees the nature, observes, and after observing, after some time, passes judgment. Can say, this is good, this is bad, this I don't like, this I like. But it is by separation that one begins freedom. It is, if the more one is involved in his ideas, thoughts, likes, dislikes, judgments, and so on, well, the more difficulty he makes his start of finding the true self. Because he is himself in a confused state and he can't watch what is happening to him. The separation, a dichotomy in the consciousness in which one part is completely separated. It may be intellect, it may be vital being, it may be emotional being, but a central part of one's being must separate from the nature and watch everything that is happening like a flow, itself standing on the bank without being moved, like one who is a witness or one who is well, observing only and not participating. He is not disturbed by what happens. He, he does not 
get entangled into the movement. He does not throw himself into the current and flow and then try to stop the current. That is a very impossible task. So he separates himself and watches. This self-separation is the first beginning of freedom of the consciousness. That part of consciousness is free. It is not yet master, it's not yet identified, it's not wide, it is not infinite, it is not identical with the supreme, but it has now got a place where it stands safe from the attacks of nature. For in this yoga, one has to realize that things that happen to man in his consciousness are not unconscious. Forces that move men are not unconscious. Forces of desire, forces of ignorance, forces of egoism, forces of selfishness, they are not unconscious. These are conscious powers of universal nature. And man has allowed himself to be ruled by these powers, therefore they come. And they come and rule because the consent has been given in the past. But the moment one separates himself, we will find that they have that past consent, the force of which is still continuing and till the withdrawal of consent is effective, they might continue mechanically for some time. One should not despair because we will stand on the ground of the witness or observer Nature may not stop its imperfect movement. The imperfect movement might go on, but that is because the consent has been given in the past. And secondly, the forces are conscious. Forces are not unconscious. Therefore, they will try to, to keep on their hold as long as they can because their business is to see that ignorance lasts and that man does not walk into the light too easily. Well, it is just perhaps necessary also like a You know, obstacle race in which the obstacle is put uh, in order that not to break the leg of the one who tries, but just to make him capable of overcoming and jumping over. In the same way, the obstruction that is offered to man in the form of his ignorance is a necessary condition for his growth to overcome the obstacles and walk into or run into or jump into the realm of light. Well, perhaps it is good. It should not be too cheap also, I think. You know, man would not know what he is gaining if he didn't know, uh, you know the, the difficulties of gaining what he has to gain. Well, here, these forces being conscious, one has therefore to stand on the ground of freedom firmly and go on accepting and rejecting, assenting and dissenting the movements of the flow of nature. When the ascent has gone sufficiently to overcome the consent that was given in the past, you will see that nature will begin to change. Nature, the flow of nature will begin to change. Now, all this, as I told you, presupposes that one has given the first priority to change of consciousness. This is the most important part because the attitude is the one thing that determines the result of yoga. If the attitude is, well, it's well and good, we do everything else, and at leisure we do some yoga, then the work will be very little and imperfect. It must become a first priority. The movement may be slow, but it must be sincere. And it must be so sincere as to become the first priority of life. Then one can see that something begins to happen. And I say this more emphatically because power is at work. The divine power is dynamic. And it, it is for men just to see whether it is so or not. And it can only be done by taking up this attitude. It can only be done by a divided mind. A divided allegiance will not permit the operation of this higher power. Because the higher power cannot act in a consciousness in which one is so all says, let us see, oh, it may work, it may not work. But laissez-faire is not the attitude in which the higher consciousness can work. Higher consciousness is as serious and more serious than man about what it wants to do with man and his individual and collective problems. We saw the man's confused state, necessity of growth of consciousness, mind being not the only consciousness. So you divide now. Let's take man's uh, uh, constitution. He has got a body which is not material. Remember, body has its own consciousness. Body can make itself also felt on the life and on the mind. You get headache and you want to do some intellectual work. Well, you say, I can't do it, I've got headache. 
mind uh, these are we, uh, we are roughly classify the main functioning of human consciousness so as to know the main parts of man's being then we come to find first we take up energy towards sadhana we try to see what is the structure of man's psychology physical body it's not matter only but it is consciousness and body has its own consciousness which can make itself effective which can also become wider and wider and can open to higher truth that is one he has got a vital force generally acting as desire power power of desire a being that is full of desire a nature that always wants fulfillment of desire and this desire well you can say this vital power is the power that wants him to expand to possess to conquer to enjoy so you come to the vital being or the life force in man subject to desire or always functioning as desire soul or desire nature wanting to expand fulfill desire satisfy impulses conquer possess enjoy emotional being wants constantly to feel to well subject itself to vital actions and reactions to mental actions and reactions and feels either joy or sorrow hope or despair love or hatred and so on a kinds of play of seesaw of positive and negative you see he has got a mind intellectual being reasoning intelligence which wants to know heart wants to feel vital wants to act conquer desire possess and enjoy mind wants to know and comprehend and if possible by knowing and comprehending mind wants to govern these are his main parts behind all this instrumentation is his soul its first functioning begins by that separated self of which i just spoke to you a self which watches that is the beginning of his getting into his true self behind this constitution you find that 9 out of 10 people are extroverted all these instruments are turned outwards in one upanishad it is said paranchi khani vyatrun swayambhu tasmat parang pasyati nantaratman all the doors of the soul or self are turned outwards therefore the self in man generally looks outward it is a rare one who withdraws his gaze from outside and turns his gaze inward becomes introverted or watches himself internally it is very rare but it is possible extroversion of consciousness all these instrument of which i am speaking to you now are generally turned outwards they have an inner being also there is an inner mind inner emotional being inner vital being even a subtler physical being that is a wider range much greater range there is a subconscious self also a subconscious well realm of experience possible a subconscious mind subconscious vital subconscious physical and behind all that is this true self the psychic being spark of the divine true individuality it is that if it can come to the surface and govern the nature then man can become integrated know the purpose of his life and know what is his real fulfillment to bring this psychic being or true soul in front is first purpose of sadhana or spiritual effort or yogic life the yoga aspires in sharundo scheme to awaken this true being to act to be active in nature and govern the nature part how does one begin with this preliminary understanding a rough picture of man's parts which act and react upon each other these are not cut and dried you know separate from each other in such a way that uh, body has nothing to do with life life has nothing to do with mind or emotion has nothing to do with vital or the mental has nothing to do with the vital they are all interconnected and so complex that ordinarily they are all confused as i told you we are making this analysis for making a clear picture to our own mind just to have a rough idea of what are the main function of man's inner being and they mainly are out extroverted but they can be turned inward and behind there is a center which is divine the beginning of that realization comes when one separates himself and watches observes and judges that is the beginning of his touching the inmost center that is in him at work now i told you about uh, sirundo's yoga what is the speciality of sirundo's yoga many people have been 
uh, interested in that problem because there are yogas and yogas and a number of them i counted some of them to you main yogas and uh, in that the difference lies in this that he has divided the yoga into two parts one that in which the individual aspirant has to make an effort another part in which his effort becomes secondary and the higher power takes over the development of the human being so that in his yoga only i think of all the yogas that i know in his yoga only this great difference happens that the aspirant or the man who practices yoga is not to do everything to the end he he has to prepare himself there is a part of the personal effort which he must fulfill the divine does not do everything for the aspirant for the yogi he must aspire and he must begin the yoga making himself fit for the higher power to take over his yoga so that there is now in his scheme a in a, a facility so to say because after a certain stage the the responsibility so to say of the man who practices yoga becomes less and less and what happens or what development he requires or gains is not his concern but the concern of the divine power that is at work in him which he has evolved into an active intervention in his own life thus you are not after a state of consciousness or union you are not after a state of union or consciousness some oneness with somebody no you are after changing your consciousness and carrying out a, a will of, of of the new cosmic or universal or transcendent divine that is what you are after attainment and identification which will only the first step it will not be the end of sadhana the end of spiritual effort the end of practice of yoga will not be to merge into something and then do nothing else no the end of sadhana is the first step is to reach identity and the main purpose is to evoke into a dynamic movement so that our nature or the nature of one who practices yoga is transformed by the action of the higher power this is this is so different from the current methods of yoga that shivanand's yoga stands out to my mind as the only hope for mankind is spirituality and realization of god have to become concrete experiences for any human being because as i told you religion has not been capable of performing this great task it cannot dynamize this consciousness it is so localized and so much uh, you know wedded to Uh, tradition and outer customs and ceremonials and now uh, it has become so much socialized that this inner drive for uh, making religious truth an experience has gone out of those forms the only thing now that can really well become effective in man's inner life is that he must have that urge the drive and the will and the sincerity then it is just for him now to make himself ready for the action of the higher power and this work as you do in 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 science what do you do you increase the range of your instrumentation is it not i'm telling you that consciousness is not confined to mind or to emotional being or to physical being or to nervous being of man consciousness is much wider just as our the the vibration of light is not confined to the light we see there is infrared and ultraviolet rays is it not which you don't see which eye is not capable of seeing sounds the range of sound is not not finished with our capacity to hear there are sounds which we can't hear lower ranges and higher ranges both there is only middle range which is available to our senses just the same for consciousness consciousness is not just what we live there is wide range there and wide range below an infinity of consciousness there is a hierarchy just as the same thing well he says that this higher power is there already and as in physical sciences somebody experiments and makes it possible for a new power to be made available to man well he in his sadhana for 40 years made this effort only for mankind 
He had no personal desire to reach some great truth for himself only, as I recounted to you on the first day. His effort was to make the supreme power available to humanity for anybody who wants to make it dynamic in his life. For that he spent 40 years. And the, the happy event is that the connection is established. The earth consciousness is in contact with the higher consciousness. Now, if my windows are closed, even if the sunlight is there, it will not enter my window. It is for me to open the windows, is it not? Well, the higher power has now been in contact with our consciousness. And anybody who wants, irrespective of caste, color, creed, sex or religion, he can have it. It is for man to decide, does he want? As I told you on the first and second day, does man want to contact this higher truth? Well, then it is there. And it does, it, the condition is to be sincere about the whole affair. Well, then the, the contact could be made practical. The handover of man's problem from mind of man, even mind of cosmic mind of man or collective mind of man, which is not really cosmic mind. The collective mind is sometimes is some total of uh, collective selfishness. You see, all people say that, you see, when 100 people are chosen and elected and when they go and sit down, they have the collective wisdom, which are not always collective wisdom. But it is collective ignorance also sometimes and it is all right. <laughs> you see, it is, it, is, it is good because there is no other way of functioning of the collectivity, so we do it. it is, we admit it is a necessity, but it is not as if that was something superior to an individual who has awakened to light. You cannot say that any conference that meets he is living in a consciousness higher than either Christ or Ramakrishna. I wouldn't say that any time. It is not possible for me to affirm that because it is not true. I mean, a, a, a group is a sum total of individuals, isn't it? And the group consciousness cannot be greater than the sum of the individual consciousnesses. How can it be greater? And if they are living in ego consciousness or mental consciousness, well, what they will do is only with, at best, with best of intention, what mind can do. It cannot do more than what mind can do. It is impossible. So collective wisdom is, is simply uh, hope and a good method of working because we are no better. But a higher consciousness is available to man. And man can bring the power of the higher consciousness first to change himself change his own consciousness and that change inevitably will make change outside well compulsory almost. If the individual's inner consciousness changes his life, what we call the outer life also will change. Because what is outer life? The division of inner and outer is also artificial and wrong. It's only partially true. When a man does something and we say, oh, this is outer action. From where did it spring? From an inner state, from an inner condition, either from desire or from good motive or from ideal or from thought or impulse. Somewhere, action is only a outer manifestation of something that is happening inside. Action is not external only and outer only. There is no difference between inner and outer in the real life of man. The inmost life of man is one. Whether you look at it as external or internal, it doesn't make any difference because there is no external as external. External is always the projection of the internal. What is inside projects itself outside. So, um, the higher power can be made to act on man and change his nature. Does one feel the need? I recounted three things for one who is qualified to allow or permit or, or open himself to the action of the higher power. Aspiration, rejection and surrender, isn't it? That was the three things which I gave last time. It is by these three that one prepares himself for the action of the higher power. By aspiration, by rejection and by surrender. These were the three things of which I spoke last time, is it not? Yes. So, uh, one has to ask whether he has taken up those two attitudes towards life and, and, uh, and problems of man's collective life, one. And secondly, whether he has got true aspiration or not. Many people say aspiration is a form of desire. Good desire. Good desire is not aspiration. 
Good desire is something that opposes bad desires. That's all. Something that opposes bad desires we call good desire. Aspiration is a movement. It may be in the mind. It may be in the vital. It may be in the emotional. But aspiration is an impulse to, to become something, not to have something. In desire, one wants to have. Either possess a thing or have an experience in a desire. In aspiration, one wants to become something, to, to, to change his being into some other condition. That is an aspiration. For in the aspiration is becoming in the sense that what you want in aspiration, you do not want from outside. What you want in aspiration is a change in your being itself. That is an aspiration. I gave very often this instance that you take a seed of a mango tree or an apple tree, seed of the apple tree, you see, the stone or the seed. Uh, if the seed had language, the seed would say, I, will, I want to become a plant. I want to go into the ground. I want to be given light and water. I want the sunlight. I want the heat. So that I will become a plant. I want to grow. This is aspiration. Because the possibility is there in it. The potent, it is not wanting anything from outside. Do you follow? I don't know whether it's confusion or not anyway. Well, it doesn't matter. Okay. Well, that is aspiration is a, a, a potentiality which is pressing for, well, uh, actualizing itself. Well, desire is an impulse to get something from outside. Until it is satisfied, one feels, oh, I am not happy, I am not happy. In aspiration, one may feel he is not happy. But it is because he is not growing to the potentiality or he is not realizing the potentiality that is already in him. He is feeling that the potentiality is being wasted. When a man wants to say, I want to become pure, it's not a desire, not even a good desire. This is aspiration. It's aspiration. This is something that which he wants. He says, I want to become honest. I want to become unselfish. I want to have peace. Is aspiration. So aspiration is the flame, as I told you last time. It is like a fire. And it comes really from the self that is there. The true being that is behind the divine spark of man. The, the impulse that makes one feel dissatisfied with himself. Something that makes him feel, I must be better than I am. That I should be nobler. I should be less selfish. I should control myself. I must have peace. I should not be disturbed. I must control myself, my anger, my passions, my impulses. That is something that is coming from the true center that is there, hidden behind the activities of this nature, which is not allowing the, the true being the full chance. Well, the true being takes a chance by putting an aspiration into nature, like a you know fisherman who puts the angle. You see, he throws the line into the water and sees whether the fish will catch. Well, nature is busy only with wanting this egoism, desire, this, that, and it's going round, disturbed condition and a confused state in which the psychic being throws this aspiration and see whether the nature would allow it a chance to come. Whether the nature would permit it to, uh, to establish its control. Aspiration is the first Breaking in into ignorance of the light which is already hidden in man's inmost being. See? It is the fire, as the Veda, Rig Veda would say. It is the fire, the flame of it burns upward always. It never goes horizontal or downward. Fire always goes up. The flame of aspiration burns. So one has to see whether there is this aspiration at work. Now, aspiration, rejection and surrender. Is it not? These are the three items which are within the jurisdiction of the man who wants to practice integral yoga. The rest of the sadhana, rest of the spiritual work is to be done by the higher power to whom one surrenders. So, well, I don't know, what is the time? Hmm? You, you want to wake the whole night? No, <laughs> I don't suppose. Or after nine, I don't. Well, uh, we take up next time. Further up. Hmm? You're the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, let me see if anything is there which I can have to say. I don't know.
Yes, I think we must take it up next time. The items of the integral yoga, one by one, we take up how aspiration, rejection and surrender, and then what follows, how one tackles himself, and all this problem we can take up next time. I suppose that will be better, unless you want to end by reading a fine passage of Shirundo about uh, these three things. Yes, I think that is a fit ending today. In yoga also, it is the divine who is the aspirant and who is the process of sadhana. Sadhana means spiritual effort. It is his power with her light, with her power and knowledge, consciousness and delight, acting upon the instrumentation of the sadhaka, means the aspirant. And when the sadhaka is open to her, Boring into it with her, those divine forces that makes his spiritual effort possible. But so long as the lower nature in man is active, and the personal effort of the aspirant remains necessary. The personal effort required in this yoga is a triple labor of aspiration, rejection and surrender. Now that is his own word. I am just quoting him in full. What is aspiration? An aspiration, vigilant, constant, unceasing. The mind's will, the heart's seeking, ascent of the vital being, the will to open and make plastic the physical consciousness and physical nature. Second, rejection. Rejection of the movement of the lower nature. Rejection of mind's ideas. Rejection of opinions, preferences and habits. Rejection of constructions of the mind so that the true knowledge may find free room in a silent mind Rejection of the vital nature's desires, demands, cravings, sensations, passions, selfishness, pride, arrogance, lust, greed, list is big rather, jealousy, envy, hostility to the truth, so that the true power and joy may pour from above into the calm, large and strong and consecrated vital being. Rejection, thirdly, of the physical nature's Stupidity, doubt, disbelief, obscurity, obstinacy, pettiness, laziness, unwillingness to change, tamas or darkness, so that the true stability of light, power and delight may establish itself in a body growing always more and more divine. Surrender, third, surrender of oneself and all one is and all one has and every plane of consciousness, and every movement to the divine and his power. In proportion as the surrender and self-consecration progress, the aspirant becomes conscious of the divine power, doing this spiritual sadhana in him, pouring into him more and more of herself, founding in him the freedom and perfection of the divine nature. The more this conscious process replaces his own effort, the more rapid and true becomes his progress. But it cannot completely replace the necessity of his personal effort until the surrender and consecration are pure and complete from top to bottom. Note that a tamasic means you know, inert surrender, refusing to fulfill the condition and calling on God to do everything and save all the trouble and struggle is a deception and does not lead to freedom and perfection. I think that is a good ending for the day. Anyway. <laughs>
So many people shouting about atom war. It is coming. They are being driven to it by fear, by self-interest, by self-protection, by a sort of idea that if you don't do it, there is danger. But unity is being pressed, is it not? Well, that is first step towards what is going to come. That is how nature compels man. But that is a moment in ignorance. If man becomes open and conscious, he can get the solution more harmoniously, more easily, and a more perfect and a, a solution which would lead him to the fulfillment of his life. Here, uh, you see, uh, uh, this God consciousness well, certainly wants to solve individual and collective problems if a chance is given to it, is it not? The whole Sharanda spreading is that is mankind or is humanity or individual being ready to, to give the divine a chance? If he can, his problem certainly will be solved. There is no question about divine being able to solve man's problem. Man has lost faith because religions have given them a fright. You see, and once one has got the fright, they always think that it will make confusion worse confounded, which is quite true. It can become worse confounded if man did not seek voluntarily from his heart. Now, you cannot deceive the divine in the old sense of the term because you won't get the divine. You see, as I told last time, it is foolproof and rogue proof. The contact with the divine consciousness is not open to anyone, except one who is sincere. So there is no, no chance of it being misused by anybody. No fool can go and, and you know, do something wrong or no, no you know, rogue can go and take advantage of it. One has to become sincere in his aspiration, then he will get to the measure of his sincerity what he requires, what is for his fulfillment. And if he is fulfillment, there is a room for solving man's problem, he will solve it, sure and certain. Yes, it's good. Uh, uh, Some time. No. Huh? That we have to develop ourselves first. In other words, uh, this, this bad consciousness within ourselves first. No, there is not God. We have to develop ourselves to make ourselves fit. There is a personal effort in our yogic life. Yoga means there is room for personal effort. That personal effort, you can say, can lead you to our development. We are not saying, I want to develop myself. No. I want to, yes, reach the highest reality. And reaching the highest reality requires that I should know myself. Then when I make an effort to know myself, well, I widen my consciousness automatically almost. You understand? My aim is not to develop. My aim is to reach the consciousness and fulfill its will in my life. That is my main objective. Well, when I say I must now start from here, when I start from here, I find I am imperfect. I know, let me, who am I? Then I put myself to watch myself and see what, what is it that I call myself. Then, then I find that it's a realm of confusion in which I must introduce some sort of rough order. You understand? Uh, that is it. That may amount to development, certainly. But it's not for that that I am making the effort. You see, it, otherwise my whole effort will become egoistic, ultimately. You see, if I say I want to develop, then my whole attention, whether I have developed or not, it is not important whether I develop or not. I may not develop in the human sense, but if I develop in the sense of my being fit to open myself to the divine, well, I have what I want. And then will you help them do this? You will automatically help humanity. Well, the business is to see that humanity is saved, is it not? Let it not be my concern, because the more I think of humanity, the less I uh, prepare myself to, to receive the divine. The more I am busy with others, the less I know myself. This is the trouble with altruists. It was Count Kaiserling, who has written a book, a German philosopher, Travel Diary of a Philosopher. Count Kaiserling, his name, he died a few years back. He's a fine philosopher. And he said, altruism is the highest form of egoism. This is his sentence I'm quoting to you. To think that I can save others, it's good for ordinary man who is very selfish, it's a good thing. It's the height of egoism. Who can save humanity except God? <laughs> it's all right. To the, yes, but we do some good to each other and try to do some good, carry out a good idea so that we may develop into unselfishness. It is we who gain. Whether humanity gains or not, we don't know because I have not seen one problem solved by all humanitarian efforts. See, poverty was to be removed. Poverty is there. 
Ignorance was to be removed by collective effort. Ignorance is still there. So which problem humanitarianism has solved? It has not solved a problem. Yes, it has developed the people if they were sincere. If they were egoistic, they also not developed. Let me tell you. It's a small gathering, so I don't mind telling. If the fellows have only said, well, I will give a big, earn a big name and let me give one million dollars. It's all right. He has saved nobody. He has only added to his egoism. You understand? Yes. Yeah. But that is not what I meant. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is, that is what he shouldn't do if he wants to develop himself. No. What I meant is he should offer it to the divine and not think of what happens to his name. Yes. That's it. Um, thinking of what happens, never allow his name to come into public if possible. If he's really after his development. Uh, that's it. Then he may develop. Then uh, what he does may do some good to some other people, does a lot of good to him, his own self. <laughs> that, that's the first thing. What happens to other is their business, God's business, and partly a little bit, his little, small, his is very infinite. His gain is great. There is no doubt if he goes about it in the right spirit, that is an offering to God and to nobody else, then it is alright. At least for him, it is a step which may lead him to a little better state. You see, then what? It's not final. Nothing is that we gained. <laughs>